Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of July 2017. I wonder how many people out there feel the big change is coming on. It's like a wave is receding. All that was old, even a good chunk of your life in fact, is just almost passing away and a chapter has been opened and you're at the beginning of the actual opening of it too when the next part of the agenda, all planned meticulously to the smallest detail, is being pushed forward. And it's tangible. I can feel it. I wonder how many people out there can actually feel it too. And I've given talks before about how nothing happens in the world system without massive planning, organization, to make it all happen including the training of the public who will live through the big changes that are always to come. And when you look at the, the many years of social indoctrination through so many different avenues, from your schooling, education of all kinds, and your entertainment even, television and documentaries and so on, all getting you ready to be the adults, in fact, who will go through the transition. This is the age of transition, remember, the 21st century, where the big, long, long-planned agenda to bring in the totally controlled, from birth to death for every individual across the whole planet, is to come into force, step by step. Sometimes one country at a time, other, and whole chunks of countries, whole, whole blocks of countries at other times too. And we're going through it right now. And once again, like Albert Pike said, he said, we never start a premature revolution. It's silly to just go ahead and, and push something unless you prepared the public gradually for it. And once they're perfectly prepared for it, you see, then you can push the next step and people will think, well, I guess it's inevitable or it's natural or whatever, because they really are. They've been, they've been brainwashed into accepting it, thinking it's all quite normal. And the techniques of getting people to accept anything at all, I mean anything, are perfectly well understood by the top psychologists and neuroscientists and so on. They know how to do it. In 2001, I did shows or talks, I prefer to call them talks, the show is really entertainment, but I give talks on the system that would kick in, because the 9-11 was almost a, a kick-off for the whole agenda, and it truly was. And they even had debates before it too, I'm talking about when did the, the, the millennium really kick off, and they decided it was actually 2001, not the year 2000, and therefore... I knew that the big agenda was going to get rammed down our throats gradually to an extent and then at an increasing pace as more and more youngsters grew up into adulthood with their perfect conditioning all the way, every step of the way, to make it all happen. And they'll think it's all quite normal. But so do the adults as well. It's astonishing when you don't watch television and for entertainment <laughs> and you talk to folk who have been watching it without a break for years and years and years, and they accept all the big changes quite as it's all quite natural. And like many psychologists and philosophers too, 
like Jack Zilong, who talked about learning process and the techniques of learning and, and the use of propaganda, which is embedded into all entertainment, by the way. But it's also the fact that the people, most people, quite naturally, who shouldn't be paranoid, <laughs> they grow up thinking that they must be getting told the truth. Why would people lie to them? It's the first thing that children are scolded about is telling lies. And yet then they give you politics to believe in. What does that tell you? Hmm? And politicians. But people and children would really expect adults to be telling them the truth. And if they can keep up the pretense through great conditioning and so on, and repetition, repetition is awfully important. It doesn't matter what kind of lie it is, just keep repeating it over and over and over and get as many you know, stuffed uh, suits and shirts and suits and ties to, to repeat it, then it must be true. It's, it's that simple. It's that simple. Really. And it works awfully, awfully well. A consensus, obviously, goes for, for a lot of it. And consensus is born out of everybody believing the same things from the same sources. And again, that's a very important thing to the same sources. Repeating, repeating, repeating. And osmosis, that's how folk learn, through bits and pieces. Not consciously thinking it through in any clinical or, or logical or even discerning way. But simply bits and pieces of it fit together in their minds over and over, so it must be true. That's how simple it is. And folk don't have time in their lives, generally, to hunt things down. Not only that, by the way, they've also been trained with excess leisure time to really delve in to entertainment in, in their leisure time, as opposed to digging up any facts on things, too. That's something else that's awfully important, because it's not coincidental that you're given so much entertainment. Way back in Plato's time, he talked about the cities and how entertainment was of prime importance to keep people in the cities in behaving themselves and doing what the authorities wanted them to do or believe in or whatever. And so entertainment's a big, big, big part of it. More so today, I would say, than any other time in history. Because entertainment is the best way for propaganda to get through. Because, as I say, your firewall, your mind, it has no firewall, sure. But if you had a firewall there, your mind has it down when you're being entertained. You don't expect to be lied to, and you think it's just entertainment. And, of course, most of the propaganda today is put across... In, in, embedded in entertainment But I've been thinking About the, the, the change I can feel the change, it's tangible And sometimes throughout my life I've felt these uh, tangible changes The last people The authorities want to be conscious Are, the, are as a general population They really don't want that at all It's like Brzezinski The late Brzezinski Who talked about the people, the public Becoming politically conscious Politically aware of what was going on. Well, they didn't just rest on their laurels and say, oh, well, that's that, we've had it now. They went right to work to make it again, to really bombard the public with all kinds of what they call fake news now, and from all directions, by the way. And that's been very, very successful. They're back in Yalala land, and all you hear now is, is slanging matches where people call each other nasty names through Twitter, etc. Like children, it's, it's really amazing to stand back and watch this because it's the kind of thing you would expect to grow out of by the time you hit about maybe eight years old. 
But here you have adults doing it now too, just slang matches back and forth, calling nasty, nasty names. Quite some, eh? So if you think we're becoming enlightened, forget it. It seems that the opposite is actually happening. It's quite easy to distract the public off into faraway places, you might say. Those who master the world and constantly analyzes don't miss a thing that we do. And if they think we're lapsing about even uh, being concerned about their, their their con games like global warming or whatever it happens to be, uh, they'll, they'll give us a barrage of, of terrible uh, documentaries all at once because they've got all the money in the world to brainwash you with since it's your money, it's your tax money that they use against you. Just to remind you to, to get ready for the next step, which is, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a whole, I've mentioned it so many times before. They're bringing back the same ideas of eating all kinds of insects to get your protein because they don't want any farming at all pretty well for you, not for all of you. For themselves, they will have. They'll, they'll always have special things for themselves. Uh, those who, who, are the, who see themselves as the, the rulers of the world and then all the helpers. And the, the helpers are just as bad as the rulers. In fact, often they're worse. But they see themselves as being exempt from it all too and they've got a, a big shock down the road themselves, I'm sure. But yeah, they're bringing it all back again, that uh, meat's bad, everything's bad, you see. Uh, if farming itself is bad, any kind of farming is bad, because it goes to feed you, and it's bad for the environment. Terribly bad for the environment. Now, many people in the U.S. thought that Donald Trump would be a, a, a bit of a reprieve, perhaps, for much of the agenda, which is slated to be rammed down folks' throats, actually, it is actually being rammed down as we speak in many different areas, because it's a whole agenda, it encompasses everything in life, this agenda. And um, Donald Trump, of course, the excuse is that he can't do so much because his whole, everybody's against him, supposedly, and all the conservatives are against him or they won't cooperate with him and so on and so on. Some of it's true because in so far, I should say, is that uh, the president doesn't have these these all-reaching powers that uh, movies and that often portray him to have. But on the other hand, too, you remember, you're in the game of politics. I don't care who they are, they're always playing politics. And with an after deal going to be cancelled, it's not being cancelled at all. It's again up for renegotiation, and I'll, I'll touch on that tonight. And now the NAFTA deal, North American Free Trade Agreement, remember, uh, came out of the initial free trade agreement that before that, then the NAFTA was to cement even further with Canada, the U.S. and Mexico, and then to start bringing in other countries in Latin America, and then to form a complete continental bloc, just like the European Union. That was the intention of it all, with a centralized parliamentary system. I even gave the talks, I think, 2005, where they came out openly, the Council on Foreign Relations came out openly on Canadian TV and said that they were behind the, the, the whole NAFTA agreement, yada, 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 and some of their own members were giving talks on television as to why we should really be giving up sovereignty and integrate just like Europe, etc., etc. That was always the plan. Remember, the one organization, starting with, with the old Lord Milner group, in Britain, which became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a private group, 
which also created the European International Affairs Group, because they own that too, created the Council on Foreign Relations Group for the Americas, and also the Pacific Rim Group as well. They set them all up from the one organization for world government a long time ago. And they've never given up on it. They don't intend to ever give up on it. And they want it. They want to get it. Three trading blocks with three parliaments. And they're flexible enough. If the U.S. won't go totally for it quickly, they'll do it in a more relaxed form for them to, to make them believe that they're still running their own country. And the Pacific Rim group also, including China, were to manage the, the East, the Far East. That's the intention. Now, the European Union... I've given talks about it too from people who were dissidents in the old Soviet Union who said this is worse than the Soviet Union and it's more, it's more communist in a sense the way they want to run it all. It's not democratic in the European Union at all. You have a secret group at the top above the, the politicians. They make all the rules and laws, etc. And it's not intended to be a democratic group. The one for, for the Americas is the same. The Council on Foreign Relations, a branch of it became, from, for Canada, became CGCIGI, and they helped run it from a university in Canada, uh, the whole globalistic uh, integration agenda as well. Well, with this new NAFTA agreement, you're going to find that the CG has more say in everything, this private group, than anybody else has. Definitely, the, the, the public are not even involved in this. We're out the picture altogether. And we don't elect any of these groups in, remember. They're always a private organization they all belong to. But this organization has used every trick in the book uh, for environmentalism, to kill the population down of humans, that is. Mass abortion across the world to do the same kind of thing. As they bring in immigrants from all these countries into the countries whose own populations are declining, being good and declining because they're not having children, you see. So you can't please them, your masters, because it's a global agenda. If you start to drop your own population, they're going to bring lots and lots in from third world countries to keep it up so as you can point to all of you as still being bad and punish you. It's, it's, it's amazing it's, it, how it's done. It's like having parents that, you, that uh, you've never seen before. They're invisible, but they're there all right. And they tell you what to do and what you're going to do. And they treat you like children as well. We all get treated like children. We're not supposed to know these things or even be involved in these things. That was part of their, their talks way, way back, how they would train the public. And this is from the old Fabian Society. They would train the public not to be involved in politics, except when they wanted the people to demonstrate or have riots, in fact, to bring in what they called socialism. Now, socialism is, again, scientific management of the public. That's what it means. For those who don't get it, we think it's all for, for helping the working people or the poor people. No, no, it was never for that at all. That was only a, a way to get you on board with them for, for, a, for a big number, numeratic army. They love numbers, but in reality, it's for total, total management. George Bernard Shaw, a member of the Fabian Society, was very outspoken about their goals. And he said that the people, each individual would have to come to us. That's what he said. And you'd have to tell them why they should allow you to stay alive. What would you do for them? I'm not exaggerating here. And I even put the clip out of that years ago, and you actually hear him, an early, early audio clip. 
of him actually saying this. And look, look around you today. Look at, the, look at the fanaticism you're seeing out of the perfectly brainwashed, the armies of brainwashed people, many of whom are simply followers and who are so, so uh, what can you call it? They have no peace in them. There's no peace in them at all. And, and wherever they look, they find fault because there's something wrong inside themselves. There's a lot of damaged goods out there. And the damaged goods are always used by those who are in power. We saw that in the Bolshevik system, where they could get crowds of, of fanatics to go out and kill folk, slaughter for years. I don't think these people who were doing the slaughtering would be the, the average person that, you're, that you'll know in your daily life. At least I hope you don't. But it's quite easy to radicalize people who are already defective, you say, in their psyches, because there's problems here, excessive problems. That's what they talked about in the revolutionary movement. They would release nihilists, nihilists and atheists together, unleash them on the public to destroy the system. Now, once that's happened to an extent, then they themselves are always destroyed in turn. That's always the pattern. You see, too, through departments of the United Nations and the, the European Union, the Parliament, working together on places like Scotland, where they, they, they've got all these great uh, innovative, supposedly, techniques to literally advocate child advocates and an advocate for every child for, by the government. And they also want to test everyone and adults psychologically, routinely. This is an old agenda. I've read articles going back 50 years on this agenda. But here it is today, they're pushing it. Where they want to test you for all your thoughts. Then they can tweak you and fix you if you have any wrong, wrong think. Very Orwellian. But this is happening. These things are happening. And they want to spread that across the world. They have all the different things they can think of, and then you've got to take it off and find out. And no doubt, too, they will eventually bring in their lie detection tests for everybody, these little portable units they have now, and, and test you. Oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think of this people, that, that, that those people, blah, 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 etc., etc. And then tweet you off to, off to the reconditioning ca- uh, camp to have your brain tweaked. Or perhaps you won't come back at all if they think it's incurable. You might have real, genuine points of view, and you can't have that. And saying all this too doesn't mean there, there aren't problems in the world. Of course there are problems. And if you look at the system before even World War I, and then after World War I or two as well, because of the, great, the, the depression that came in and the, the, the debt that was World War I eventually brought on countries like Britain, for instance, and it kept in people in a, a pretty well stable form of, and I mean stable for a long, long time, form of poverty, just making it no more. And then uh, you had big marching groups uh, marching for, for work during the Depression as well. These are real, real things that happened. And they were all wrong, absolutely wrong. The system was wrong. The system was the old imperial system. And the imperial system which again was run by the same globalist, by the way, that's bringing you the, this, this world order, the present world order under the United Nations, the Milner Group into the Royal Institute of International Affairs. It was all their members at the top, their inner circle, who were the lords, etc., and they were the governor generals of different countries appointed by the crown, 
who also had their businesses across the empire and were raking in all the money from it. The taxpayers were the people who paid for it all. They paid for the military. They paid for the railroad tracks getting put in across India and other countries as well, Africa, so that the big boys could get all the resources out. And then the public are always handed the tab for all. That's the reality of what it was. It still goes on today in a, in a very a much more camouflaged form. And if you look at the so-called helping the third world countries, where your tax money is put into these third world countries to certain people who bring in the big multinational corporations in their factories where they get cheap, cheap labor. But your tax money pays for the factories to get built, and it's called foreign aid. Everything really is a, is a con, I have to tell you. <laughs> and unfortunately, there are lots and lots of people who've been brainwashed as followers to fight for the con to be made even more of a reality, because they want to believe in this strange utopia. I was talking, for instance, today, early on, to someone else that was talking to someone on the phone, about the system where those who were born around World War II were supposedly to grow up like their parents had before them, the parents who went through a world war. But they're supposed to grow up like their parents before them and just get married and have children and continue as though nothing had happened. Now, this was the Second World War. Uh, many of the parents uh, that, that gave birth to the children uh, that grew up in World War Two had already been through World War One. They'd never seen a normal life. And they'd never seen a, a time for themselves, that is, mo- uh, many of them, probably most of them, where they could personally get ahead in the world and, and have a good outlook. It was, it was generally the hereditary uh, upper middle classes that continued without m- much ado. But World War Two was the ending of, of so much of the old culture because it just, it just didn't work. It didn't work for those who were, were growing up. Why? Why would you grow up if the same things occur over and over and over again? Where basically you're getting bred like cannon fodder. And in between the wars, there's hardly any work for you at all to, to take up. And then you, you enter the, the Fabian organization that was meant to, to foment a form of quieter revolution by using the parliamentary system to bring in a communistic system for managing the masses. And that's still on the go today because that's what you're under, under socialism. It's a communistic, bureaucratic form of ruling the masses from birth to death, micromanaging their lives for them in every aspect. You had many authors I've read from their own books, like Charles Galt and Darwin, who wrote about it the next million years, and he said that the people wouldn't have to make decisions because the the state, the state, meaning the agencies of the state, would be making all your decisions for you. That's pretty well here. And unfortunately, many of the younger ones growing up today think that's quite normal. Other ones, as I've said before, there's always a certain segment like socialism because they don't have to make decisions for themselves. But you've got to remember, once you're in a system, and we are in it, by the way, a system of socialism, you are reduced to a number. 
and your everything about you is is to do with that number. That number is used for everything, which is social insurance number, whatever they want to call it, or ID. It just it's all the same thing, and that goes right down. And I've read the articles too from the various health authorities of different countries where they they put you down according to your value to society if you ever go into a hospital and that will decide including your age but also your 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 value to society as to how much treatment they're going to give you financially that is regardless of the insurance they've taken off you over the years that's how they 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 work it out for for you you're no longer a real human being anymore as a distinct separate person no you're, you're simply that number and there's your age and here's your standing in society does society need you or not that's what it's all about and that's what the mass man is that's what any system that calls you the masses or the herd and herd management that's what they think of you and you better understand they really mean it when they when they call you the herd and herd management, and they they do all use it by the way in your own countries. Perhaps the health authorities could give us all a vaccination to stop us being prone, you know, giving herd immunity, give us actual herd immunity to, against politicians of all stripes and calibers, and perhaps to, against all the different NGO groups that are paid. At least their leaders are paid by the big foundations to use them as private armies to protest or to get to vote or whatever it happens to be. But the whole future has literally been incredibly micromanaged to the present state and beyond. And how it's to be done has all been marked out and tested and so on and micro-tested in different places. And they know exactly how to bring us into the whole new New Age, as I like to call it, the New Age, the true New Age. It's quite interesting that they used to talk about the age of Aquarius at one time amongst the occultic groups, and you find the occultic groups were heavily involved in masonry, Freemasonry, or even revolutionary activities as well. And well written about too and documented uh, in some countries more than others, such as France. Not a conspiracy theory, but fact. But they did also bring in Kabbalistic uh, stuff too, including numerology and astrology. But they liked the term Aquarius, where they could mark off ages and make a plan to bring in this age of Aquarius. Pushing the idea of freedom and understanding and all this kind of thing in society. But in reality, remember, uh, they always have a, a, a secret meaning for everything. And the secret meaning... Is, is just that. It's the age of the, the new baptism. The baptism into the new system where you will serve. And you're baptized and you, it's meant for you to serve, remember. And you will serve the system. That'll be your purpose. That was also the purpose, remember, it was brainwashed into all the, the, the lesser people of communism. The cog in the wheel, that's what you became in communism. And... You served it. You, as an individual, were worthless. The only worth you could possibly have was with the whole, with the body. And that's exactly what is coming down the pike now. I've given the talks on austerity. And again, the United Nations has department set up to, to deal with uh, this mandated austerity. I mean mandated, by the way. Uh, as it has departments set up for pretty well everything that's coming down the pike. You don't vote for the United Nations, remember? 
and you don't vote for all the other groups that have been formed, like the group, the G20. These are all groups of 20, and groups of this, groups of that, groups of seven, groups of eight, and so on. This is all the round table system that was set up, the private organization, Royal Institute of International Affairs, also called Council on Foreign Relations, and various other terms. Uh, the more we use the terms, the more they like to change uh, and disguise themselves because they don't want the public knowing too much about them. If you looked around you at your daily m- media, uh, your media never comes out and tells you what these organizations actually are. They, never, they certainly never come out and tell you the power they, they wield because they're, they've given themselves power and then they advise governments as to what to do. Well, why don't they come and give the vote to the public and let the public get in on it for a change and they can tell the governments what to do? That's the last thing they want. The Swiss have a much better system where anything major that affects all of them has to be put to the national vote. Everybody gets to vote in it. We'd never see that in the West, never. Instead, they train you to think it's quite natural that some organization with a few professors have the right to draft up the next part of the NAFTA agreement, for instance. And they all belong to, again, the same private organization I've been talking about for years. Then you all have to follow once it's put into law. You don't vote for any of this. And if you really believe that, well, why not let them do it? No one's that bad. They probably have our best interests at heart. You're willing to risk everything when they probably have your best interests at heart. Have you read their articles? They have an utter disdain and loathing for most humans. Because you all, apparently, are causing all their problems. I'll get back to some of the articles here. Now, it's just for again for those that want to even look up and, and see what it's all about. But the North American Free Trade Agreement was signed years ago, 1994. Again, it was a pretty secretive organization, the way it was dealt with and so on. Uh, even the appointees were put in by the government, basically, by the prime minister, uh, just to get this ran through and all the repercussions that came out of it. But remember, the whole idea isn't just a trading block. That's how they started off the European Union. It's, it's first, it's the, to do with the finances and the trade. Then you start bringing new uh, groups and new new tiers of legislation and legislators to draft up uh, all, the, the, all that's to do with, with the trade. So you end up with a government eventually, and that's exactly what happened there. And that's what's supposed to happen with this one too. The U.S. outlines NAFTA objectives, including currency provision. Now, they're only telling you little bits and pieces not to freak you out, and that's what the media is meant to do, and, uh, because the media is not there to inform you. It's not just Rockefeller that thanked the media at one of the world meetings that he had. Uh, when he said that uh, f- for not letting the public know what, what, their, agree- what their big, big world meetings were about, <laughs> he thanked the, the reporters for not telling the public. Well, nothing's changed. Anyway, he says, in a much-anticipated document sent to lawmakers ahead of talks expected next month. They call it, that's done by Sherpas, they call it. 
So it's scented lawmakers ahead of talks expected next month. The U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer said the Trump administration aimed to reduce the U.S. trade deficit by improving access for U.S. goods exported to Canada and Mexico, the two countries and NAFTA, besides the United States. Again, this is very, very, very superficial, this article here. It's a 17-page summary of negotiations for NAFTA offers a glimpse into what a Trump administration trade agenda could look like. Until now, President Donald Trump's agenda has been shaped by campaign rhetoric and tweets. It sounds like children, eh? And tweets. It really does, doesn't it? Eh? Birds tweet. Ever wondered why they call it tweeting? Do you pay any, any regards to the birds tweeting, do you? They talk about currency manipulation by different countries propping up or, or reducing their, their currency to get more trade. And that kind of trick too. But it doesn't tell you all the rest of the things. It's awfully important. They mentioned too that the, the softwood lumber disputes has been going on forever. Uh, and I guess that won't ever really change very much. Then this one here. Five key NAFTA issues bound to spark friction between Canada and the US. And... That's from the Canadian press, and it says that Canadian officials maintain that Mexico is the real target of U.S. President Donald Trump's determination to renegotiate what he considers to be a bad deal for America. Now, remember, too, that uh, nothing much is going to be done here, as far as I can see. I really, it really, this is when Canada was negotiating a bilateral free trade agreement with the U.S. in 1988. Now, it's the first one. The FTA was the Free Trade Agreement, 1988. Then you had the NAFTA one in 1994. It sought to eliminate the use of countervailing duty, that's taxes, and anti-dumping laws, measures designed to neutralize the effect of imports deemed unfairly priced or subsidized. And Canada believes such laws were overzealously employed by the U.S. and upheld by their courts to protect American products from competition, including from Canadian softwood lumber. So the idea, remember, too, that was plugged by the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the European Institute for International Affairs, which is the one for all the politicians in the European Union, but same organization. Every country's got these people in them. And you don't vote... For, for for the organizations they belong to. But they're making all your decisions for you. And their their goal has always been a world government run by themselves, of course, at the top. The world managers, lots of academia get on in the act, in an act and various so-called social scientists, psychologists and, and behaviorists and all that to manage our lives for all the masses, you know, the, the, the unwashed masses down below. But again, they're going to give you superficial stuff here. I can remember when the NAFTA agreement was going on, the North American Free Trade Agreement, every premier for, for the provinces across Canada, just like the U.S. states and their governors, had to attend every month, I think it was, together, all together, and they were each given a, a little summary for that month of the trade deals that were going on and to give them input. They're only allowed, I think, three minutes to read the darn thing. This is by law. Because there's so much in it they didn't want anybody to know about, including the, the, the different premiers for Canada. It's so secretive. See, the idea is eventually to do away with all sovereignty and bring not just into a North American free trade agreement, but the whole of the Americas in, including the Caribbean islands outside too. 
that's the deal. But it's well on its way now, of course, and these little things, these little hiccups between those big corporations that own little bits of it that are uh, vying for a little bit more, uh, it doesn't make any difference to the public. You're going to pay through the nose for everything now as you go into austerity anyway. And you're paying so much of your taxes to the big corporations as it is. All of them. All of the big ones are on corporate welfare. Look at the electric cars that are coming in. And the taxpayers subsidising probably the a, a, a half or maybe, maybe even more of the real, the real cost of production of these things. And it's not meant that they really take off and do well. It's to get rid of the gasoline engine. And then when they, they hit you with the full cost of these, these cars and the cost of maintaining their batteries, uh, you'll, you're, you won't be able to drive. It'll be too, too cost prohibitive. And that's the idea. No, no private vehicles in Agenda 21. That's what it says. Agenda for the 21st century. You'll all be living in little community areas anyway, and in your little in your overcrowded cities because they don't want you in their in their rural areas. We've read so many of these articles over the years from the sources themselves, and they don't leave any guesses for you. There's nothing to guess at. It's just the general public says they don't really mean it. <laughs> yep. Okay. I'll put up a PDF on the NAFTA objectives as well. If anybody wants to read it, most folk don't want to read it. Now, in Canada, because Canada's the cutting edge, for those who don't understand, Canada's really the cutting edge. Lester Pearson uh, was the the head at one point, I think, uh, the the big uh, UN uh, fraternity, you might call it. And he, along with other people involved in Canadian government, helped draft up the the charter for the United Nations when they were setting it up uh, after World War II. And he was with Escott Reed. I think it was James Escott Reed. It was Escott Reed. There was a guy, Escott-Reed, from, from uh, Ontario, worked with Pearson. And they worked with other communists too, by the way. And they were communists, <laughs> for those who don't, don't know that. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and and Escott Reed said in his own book that the goal, our goal, is world government. That's the end of nations, you see, world government. So it's not guessing when I see things. It's not because I'm a conspiracy theorist or anything. I'm just using their own their own information put out by the people themselves. And these people were leaders in their field. And some of the communists that were actually in the U.S. side were actually tried for communism. They helped set up the actual Charter of the United Nations. But we've never stopped in Canada being, uh, being uh, the avant-garde for, for this international socialism with its pretense of equality for everything. As they dis- destroy everything, uh, they, they say it's, it's equalizing everything. In a sense it will be, because we'll all be equally poor. And again, that's austerity. Except for the ones who manage you, who live awfully, awfully well. They always make sure that they do. But this is this goes right in, in line with it all. And again, remember, if you go into certain aspects of philosophy, you're supposed to use logic. And logic has to be continuous. Logic can't be correct here in a train of thought and, and and working it out with, with rationality and so on. 
but wrong here, but it's really the same situation. If it's the same situation in two different places, it must be the same logic you're using. If it's different, then it's not logic at all. It's an agenda. But anyway, remember Canada, like many countries, has this uh, feigns that this wonderful, we're, we're here to help the world. We're just to help. As, as though they're laying down the coat over the big puddle for everybody to walk on. That's the pretense that we have here. You see. And everywhere, it's the same thing. When, when, you, when you don't produce very much at all, and you've got a service economy, believe you me, when you're throwing big bucks across the planet, they can't keep going on forever, because you will go into austerity, and that's where it's going to go, as your, as your currency is constantly, constantly devalued. Look how much money it takes today to buy the same things as you bought even five or ten years ago. And they were taught this is normal. Because all you do is keep printing up more and more money. But here it says here, London, England, July 14th. It says, Canada's international development minister has defended the Justin Trudeau Liberal government's aggressive pro-abortion international aid policy by claiming abortion is a tool to end poverty. And International Development Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau was responding to criticism of Canada's bishops who have denounced the Liberals for putting sexual and reproductive rights at the core of their foreign policy. Now, this is following the U.S., because remember, when Hillary Clinton was in the, the, the State Department, they made it pretty well law and everything else there that they wouldn't give you any foreign aid at all unless you, you put at the very, very top all the same rights that you'd just given the various sexual groups and so on, uh, including marriage and all the rest of it. Which, so here you are changing the societies of other cultures and other countries so they can't get alone anymore. Even though they'd signed on to the various United Nations organizations that guaranteed them loans, but now they put the little caveat on top. Well, they can keep going like this forever and ever by adding more must-dos to get the cash. There's one thing you always find about, about power and world communism or socialism, call it what you want, or bureaucratism. It's the same thing. It's always the same thing. It's a big agenda, and, and they never end. They never stop. There is no end to it, you understand. It keeps going on with more and more demands. Anyway, it says, uh, but Bebo speaking to CTV News from the Family Planning Summit in London, countered that contraception, even abortion, is only a tool to end poverty. So it's only a tool. It says we have to give women the control over their lives, so we shouldn't look at the contraception as objective, she said. And... It says it's the only tool to reduce poverty, inequality, and to make an impact in terms of development and peace and security in the world. Now, I want you to, it doesn't matter what you really think about this, because I know there's all kinds of people out in the world. But think about this. What is abortion? Now, they're not talking about cats and dogs or anything else here, they're talking about humans. Ending life. And, and that's what is a, a fetus, is an unborn baby, right? And it's ending life. And don't say it's not living, for goodness sake, heart beating and all the rest of it, and so on and so on. It's alive. Yeah. It's not a cancerous growth. It's not a disease either. 
Now, surgery is not supposed to be used uh, for, for non-disease or non, non-medical problems. It's not a problem. Remember, it's a social inconvenience now. So killing, and this is just a way of putting it, killing is okay for social convenience. That's what it's saying here. Do you think they'll stop with abortion? Do you really think that? You better start to understand that human life is constantly being devalued all the time. Julian Huxley gave his speech about it when he was in charge of UNESCO. And he was also in the Replant Parenthood. But he said that one of the, the things he would train the public to believe, train them to get off the pedestal, and that they're, they're not the most supreme being on the planet. They bring it down and down and down and down until they could do this with you, including your life too, not just as a baby, by the way. And it's happening. Life is becoming cheap. Bureaucracies, and I... I, by the way, include the medical profession and, and, and socialized medicine under bureaucracy because they now have the right to decide life and death with adults as well. And you better start thinking about this. Hmm? Now, forget even that part of it. I'll go to the other part of it. Supposing your foot, look at your food. Look how much of the stuff you've got now is soaked in the worst kinds of pesticides and herbicides. And you're eating it, and they know, they know darn well what's causing cancers. With any disease, you simply say what's changed in the last 50 years or 60 years or 70 years. They know exactly. They're constantly studying everything and in great detail. And they know exactly what's causing all these problems. But they, they deem it acceptable. For you, mind you, they don't eat that themselves. They eat normal food, which they now call organic and their normal food, by the way, for the real high-ups, is not even exposed to the chemtrail clouds that rain on them. They do it in domes. I've read the articles before. It was the mainstream papers about the big domes they grow them in from Japan to Germany and different countries. They've all got them, by the way, for the right kind of people. And they don't even have insects in them. The people who work in them wear these suits like they do wear inside even the big chemical labs and so on. So these, 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 this stuff is uh, pristine that they're eating. But you don't get drawing rights for that, but they do. So cancer now is normal. And don't fall for the nonsense. Well, people are, are living longer and they're getting cancers before they have died with this, that, and the other. Well, don't fall for that because the cancers are hitting younger and younger people all the time, as you all well know. But life is becoming really cheap for all of you. Really, really cheap. And you've got to start giving more value to life, and I mean all life across the board, and all stages of humans as well, if you want any value to be put on you. Because one day it'll be your turn where they're going to decide if you should live or die when you end up in the hospital, by the way. So there you have abortion as a tool to end poverty. Next thing it'll be, it'll be, well, euthanasia for adults is a tool to, to, to end, uh, to put more money in the system for younger people. Now, Article 2 can't to provide a whopping $241.5 million for overseas abortions and contraception. 
do you get to vote on any of this stuff? Or t- do you realize how much money is taken off you and you don't get a chance to vote on anything? Hmm? Another article here too, and it's, it's quite good too. It says, no, no kids, no cars, no meat, no flying. And it says, if Prime Minister Justin Trudeau really wants to save the planet from man-made global warming, he should tell Canadians to stop having children, don't drive, don't fly, and don't eat meat. Those are the four most efficient ways of reducing industrial greenhouse gas emissions linked to climate change in the developed world. By contrast, the solutions pushed by the Canadian governments and educators, such as recycling and switching to energy-efficient light bulbs, while they may feel good exercises, are insignificant. This is as reported by University of British Columbia PhD uh, student Seth Wines and Professor Kimberly Nicholas of Sweden's Lund University. Lund's a famous one for this kind of stuff <laughs> in their paper. The climate uh, mitig- mitigation gap, education and government recommendations missed the most effective individual actions published last week in the journal Environmental Research Letters. The biggest savings by far comes from having no children or fewer of them. Every unborn child would save the average Canadian family 58.6 tonnes, this is what the university says, of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions annually compared to 0.213 tonnes by recycling. Going carless saves 2.4 tonnes compared to 0.1 tonnes by replacing incandescent light bulbs with energy efficient ones. Avoiding one transatlantic flight per year saves 1.6 tons of emissions compared to 0.247 tons by washing clothes in cold water. And switching to plant-based diet saves 0.8 tons of emissions compared to 0.21 tons by hanging your clothes out to dry instead of using a dryer. Despite this Wines and Nicholas report, we find that 10 high school science textbooks from Canada covering seven provinces with 80% of the population, largely failed to mention these actions. They account for 4% of their recommended actions instead of focusing on incremental changes with much smaller potential emissions reductions. Then they go on about further lower impact actions and so on. It says, thankfully, the researchers don't recommend our governments force Canadians to have smaller families, although this is a common refrain amongst radical environmentalists whose love for humanity is surpassed only by their hatred of people save for themselves, of course. And it does not say it all. Doesn't it say it all? Hmm? Yeah, that's quite something I'm telling you. And uh, this one was uh, partially, this article was partly, well, it's from the sun. But that says it all. uh, They're great for preaching to us how we must behave, what we must do, but not for themselves. They don't plan, for instance, in in reducing their their driving. They have special permits for them. And when we're all banned from driving, and they'll go all across, they'll go across the planet with, to meet all their global talks where they prowl to each other and have their 20-odd course meals and so on. But not for you. Not for you. No. But it's true, they really hate humanity. They hate all of you. They really hate all of you. They see you as, as a lower, less evolved species. And I really mean that. That's what they believe. They truly believe this stuff. And then you get the United Nations again. It says, the United Nations urges global move to meat and dairy-free diet. By the way, if you think it's just coincidence, all your 
your meetings on went up big time in the last couple of years. It's not coincidence at all. It's part of the agenda. And they've just been given the go-ahead to, to up them all again to get you off meat. They're very wealthy can keep affording it, of course, but you most a lot of folk can't anymore. So in the face of growing threats from climate change, oh, climate change is an excuse for everything, which is nonsense. The global community must change its dietary practices, a UN report says. Diets rich in meat and dairy are unsustainable. That's all I have to say now. It's unsustainable, as they put you all to, into the euthanasia uh, booth, like one of those old Star Trek episodes. This is per the report produced by the UN Environmental Programme, that's UNEP. The report was issued some time ago, but has resurfaced as the environmental impacts of large-scale meat and dairy production become of growing concern to policymakers. Well, do you vote for any of these policymakers? No, you don't. No, you don't. And they keep on about population growth, even when the Western countries are supposedly declining and they're actual real populations, they're very old populations that they've got there, they're declining, and uh, and that's the excuse they're given for again, massive immigration. That's the excuse, because they just don't, don't want the resistant populations to be around too much longer. That's the real reason for it. So, which one is it? There's too many of you, there's not enough of you. Hmm? They've never given you a happy medium, have they? Not for you. They haven't told us. And then this article here, too, I'll put up. It's to do with uh, the environmental impacts of consumption and production, for those who don't quite get it. It's also from the United Nations, again, environmental group and so on. It goes on about the whole, the whole thing of why everything you do as a human is bad. For you humans, it's bad. Not for intelligent humans who are up there somewhere, but, but for you people, it's all bad. Yep. Farming's bad. Everything's bad. And another article, too, is to do with teaching climate change in U.S. schools. And it goes back to even 2015, back to the present time again. But it says the struggle over what American students learn about global warming is heating up as conservative lawmakers, climate change doubters, and others attempt to push rejected or debunked theories into the classroom. But see, you must always brainwash the children who'll grow up thinking it's all quite normal that they're being persecuted so terribly by the authorities just for being alive. But they must accept it, and they will, because you can teach them to believe anything. If adults do it for children, children will think they must be all be true. Why would they be lying to you? Children haven't learned about, about how, how folk could be radical fanatics for political parties and so on. They still haven't got to that yet. So, so they think they're being told the truth about everything. But it says here, the debate arrives on teachers' doorsteps nationwide as thousands are being mailed the book Why Scientists Disagree About Global Warming from a Chicago-area advocacy group called the Heartland Institute that challenges assertion that there is consensus about human-caused climate crisis. In a following-up statement, the Institute's president said science instructors should keep an open mind and shouldn't teach dogma pushed by some environmental activist groups. Everything they get taught in school now is dogma by one group or another that will want them to be radicalized in a whole range of areas. And that's the scary part about schooling. It's got almost nothing to do with helping you survive in life anymore. And also, in the United Nations News Centre, 
20th of June 2017, education leaders from around the world convened today at the United Nations to discuss ways to advance action on Sustainable Development Global 4, which aims to ensure inclusive and quality education for all and promote lifelong learning. It's for total indoctrination for all teachers to give to their students. Do you vote for the United Nations? No, you don't. And here is here, inclusive, equitable and equality education goes to the heart of the 2030 Agenda. And you can get the, you can download the Sustainable Development booklet, basically, to show you all the, all the, what they're pushing for the children to be, to be. This is a religion, you understand. More, more radical than any previous religion that's ever existed on the face of the planet. It really is. And finally, Al Gore, 2017, was that science or gratuitous random weather porn to fuel superstitious belief, meaning in global warming. And he goes on about the the, the next part of the, the Gore movie that came out there, and how it's it's just it's just hogwash, as you well know. Uh, but everything to you realize the billions of dollars, and in trillions actually, all tied up in carbon taxes and, and carbon exchanges that Gore and a whole bunch of them. Everybody who pushes this stuff has got investments in this new stock market of carbon uh, exchange, etc. And are going to be even more stinking rich than they already are. Anything but impartial, eh? But they're making sure that the, the teachers are going to brainwash every child to go along with this for this religion. And that, of course, is what Gorbachev said years ago, too. And I read it from his book years ago on the air, where he said we must create a new religion, a, a, a form of earth worship. That's exactly what has happened. Well, I hate to say that's the time up already, but my God, it is. It's just flown in. And I really hope you can hang in with it all. And don't forget to keep in touch with your, yourselves and old friends and everybody else because we're going into terrible times. We're, we really, really are. It's in the air. I can feel it. I can feel it very, very heavily. And there's a whole generation of folk who, who are knowledgeable that things are dying off. And remember, once so much knowledge is gone, it's, it's truly gone. And you'll be left with people who are just putting nasty tweets back and forth and calling names about everything, instead of giving you this alternate and very real education for your own your own survival as a, as a human being. It's about time we put ourselves back up on the pedestal again, I think. From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.